Okay, so welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast for Wednesday, December 7th, 2016. We are currently on the Carnival Imagination, somewhere between Ensenada and Long Beach, if the captain's announcement is to be believed, pretty much at the exact midpoint, joined by Mindy and I'm Ray. So first off, sort of a review of the Carnival Imagination. What are your thoughts on, the, on this ship? Um, I'm pretty pleased with it so far. Um, this is my fourth sailing, um, and each sailing has been on a different ship. Um, this one honestly has kind of actually been my favorite by and large in like the overall spectrum um, I feel like because it is a smaller ship it's easier to keep get yourself oriented like right away um, and so figuring out where to go and what to do um, you kind of just know because you know if you want to avoid the casinos you, you know, because of the smoke smell it's really easy to kind of duck around it whereas I felt with the uh, sunshine or in the dream it was a little bit harder to, to avoid that um, yeah, so I was I was really I'm really digging the ship overall. It's uh currently it's because it is smaller and there's a lot of swells. Um, it's currently rocking a lot, which is uh, doing me in a little bit, but um, generally I like that. But I think it's just a little bit too much right now for me. Yeah, uh, these fantasy class ships they're smaller and lighter, so they're more susceptible to whatever the ocean's doing or whatever the engines are doing. I sailed on the Imagination once before for the twenty four dollar cruise. It's uh, been in dry dock since then. So it's got some of the upgrades like Guy's Burgers and uh, a refresh of the cabins. And uh, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The uh, The bathrooms look brand new. The carpeting and everything everywhere looks looks brand spanking new. I think that it's a, a pretty good ship. And uh, yeah, the dry dock had a very positive impact. I liked it fine before, uh, but it's, it's even better now. One thing that kind of sucks, though, I didn't realize is that there's no future cruise desk on this ship. We had planned to book the Alaska sail on the sailing and we can't. So Sam actually, he is currently on the inspiration one day behind us on the exact same trip. And so he did a little research and we were communicating through Wi-Fi uh, when we were in port. Apparently the new modified program that Carnival has for you to book future cruises on their ship has uh, some limitations. In order to get the onboard credit, uh, you have to book onboard the ship and you can't do it on the Carnival Victory, the Carnival Imagination, the inspiration, or the sensation anymore. That seems a little strange to me. We went to guest services to inquire about this because we wanted to book the Alaska trip and uh, couldn't find a future cruise desk and there was no future cruise talk on the schedule in the app or on the fun times. And they said basically it wasn't financially sustainable. They didn't have enough people booking future cruises, I guess on these shorter little milk run sailings on the smaller ships. So they just stopped doing it. And so Sam and I were both thinking, maybe guest services could do it. Uh, you know, these are, you know, well-trained people. Uh, they could just have the stuff maybe there, but apparently not. So uh, we'll have to, I guess, book Alaska on land and forego the onboard credit just because I don't think there's a way around that. I think it has something to do with, I mean, the uh, one of the comedians, he's jokingly referring to this as a Section 8 cruise. Um, and so uh, for those who aren't Americans watching this, I guess it's kind of like the social housing of, of cruising. Um, so um, I believe Section 8 ref- yeah, refers to like real social housing, welfare type status um, in the States. I'm not 100% certain. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so and people are, I mean, all the Americans on, on the ship who were at the comedy show were laughing at that. Um, and even on Instagram, you can actually see there actually is a hash- hashtag Section 8 cruise. Um, so I suspect because of that, um, and I guess because these, those particular ships, I guess, are the Section 8 cruises, 
um, that's probably why it's not really economically viable for them to have um, like a rep for the future fun times. Um, but it still doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't have someone at guest services that would allow you to do that. Like that makes no sense. I mean, I get not having a full-time person employed to do that um, because I can see why that, that wouldn't be economically viable, but you already have the guest services person there. I, I can't imagine that this system is so limited that you can't just let, allow someone to book because you're basically just assuming everyone on that sh on this cruise ship is just going to be too poor to book a future cruise. And that's, I mean, that's just not true. Yeah, it's a little sad, actually. Yeah. And, I mean, <clears throat> admittedly, when you're working with a, with, a, with a future cruise desk expert, you get some additional information. They'll have deck plans for every ship. So one of the things they'll often do, and they did for us for our upcoming Hawaii trip, is they look what's immediately above and beneath you in the cabin that you're looking at, which is something that I frequently forget to do. Uh, as a result, we've sometimes been, I think, right either above or below on the sunshine where they were loading the luggage. And so early and late in that trip, there was a lot of noise. So admittedly, you know, they probably, they don't need to do the future cruise presentation. They don't need to sell it very well. And they don't need to say like, you know, this is for people who need that extra advice. If it's just for well-known traveled, seasoned travelers, whatever, that, you know, people who would want to like, I'm, I'm ready to go and book. I could do it online right now myself. If I wanted to, I, I don't necessarily need someone to hold my hand through the process. And so those are the people who would take the initiative to go to guest services and ask, Having that alone would be fine. They don't have to even have all the ship maps, although that would be easy. It's one binder, you know, have it in the back somewhere. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really surprising, a little disappointing that they, uh, that they don't do that. And uh, part of me wonders if it's so that it's not as easy to get the onboard credit, so that, uh, you know, it could be one of those cost-cutting cutting things. Uh, Carnival has, you know, made a lot of changes since I started sailing in 2013 that seems like cost-cutting measures. They don't put the chocolates on the pillows anymore. You know, we inquired about that, and they said it was because it was getting caught up in the laundry and melting, and that was causing problems for the, the laundry machines. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So that, that makes some sense, but I know that's probably the line that they've been told to, to use, um, and that's fine at all. I've noticed a lot more people on this cruise, just because, you know, you, when you see people with the cards out, you kind of take a look at the color the card is. And I seem to have noticed a lot more platinum and diamond cruisers, even, on this cruise than I have on other cruises. Now, it could be because there's just fewer sailors and fewer people cruising, so it's just easier to notice that. Um, and and because cause Ray's now platinum, and it's just, it just, I've now, it's kind of, it's entered the consciousness and stuff like that. But it, it does seem like there's a number of platinum and diamond cruisers. Um, and so these are the people that, you know, are going to be coming back again and again and again. So, like, let's not put any kind of roadblocks there. Let's not put any kind of barriers to prevent, kind of leave a bit of a sour taste in their mouth. And it used to be you could get the free drink when you were red, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so starting on your second sailing, you could get a, a free drink with some limitations. Now you have to be gold and it has to be a more than five day sailing to qualify for that. Yeah, I just qualified for the, I just, I just got the gold card this sailing and it was right before the sailing started that they changed it from, it has to be a five day sailing. So I didn't get my free drink card. It's not a big deal, but at the same time it is, you know, just another little thing. It's like, oh, that's kind of annoying. And, and these things, they feel like they're adding up and each one's a little kick in the pants. It's, you know, uh, when... Right before I made gold, they took away the, the member parties or whatever they call it for gold status. You had to now be platinum. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, before we got on the ship, John Heald made it sound like there were going to be changes again to the loyalty program. We can hope that they're enhancements. Some things that they've done that, that has been nice is like the free uh, bottle of water you get starting at red. 
maybe that's more useful than the free, you know, alcoholic drink. Uh, because you can take this on excursions with you, you can refill this up on Lido, uh, so you're not buying bottled water, and so it's a bit more practical for all ages, uh, you know, for people who are, you know, uh, perhaps recovering alcoholics or uh, with religions where they don't drink. Uh, I, I could see why the water is has broader appeal. So this was, an, I would say this was an enhancement, mm -hmm. and they brought this in at the same time they took away the drinks from the red people. Uh, so, I mean, that trade-off I could understand, but... You know, uh, one of the things I've noticed is uh, the ships now, a lot of them increasingly have a thing where they ask you, oh, do you want AM or PM turndown service? Uh, so I'm not sure if the imagination has done this yet, because when we got on board, uh, our, we met our cabin steward, uh, I made was his name, which, you know, have fun with that in the comments section. But the um, thing that he was saying is, uh, oh, I'll turn down your room in the morning between, you know, 8 and 12 and again in the evening between, you know, whatever Six time. Nine, I think, yeah. yeah, something like that. And so we weren't made to get, we weren't forced to have a choice, but is that because I'm now platinum or is that just that this ship hasn't converted yet? Uh, I guess remains to be seen. So, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, being platinum for the first time, there's a lot of perks. And so just trying to uh, get a handle for uh, what that's all about. So we get the complimentary be beverage. Um, so for gold, when it's over five day sailings, you can get it after 5 p.m. at any bar. But when you're platinum, you can get it uh, any day, but it has to be in the main dining room, MDR, uh, you know, for shorthand, at breakfast, brunch, or lunch. It can't be dinner. So that's a little weird. I mean, that's similar to the restrictions they used to have on the red drinks, but... Um, it's just, it's, it seems a little silly to have those restrictions on there. Um, and again, you get the liter water, which is fantastic. There is the platinum and diamond party. However, it has to be a five-day sailing or more. This is a four-day milk run run right now, so uh, no party. The unique ship pin uh, is actually quite nice. Uh, it's got some serious heft to it. It's got the year, the ship. Uh, so that's that, that was quite nice, I thought. Um, but you no longer get the gold uh, annual pin when you go into platinum. But uh, that's I got quite a few of those. Um, you get priority di uh, dining seating where you're supposed to talk to the Mater D on embarkation day. We were not aware of that, so we didn't do that. So I'm not sure exactly what that would mean. Um, you also get uh, priority specialty restaurant reservations. There's no specialty restaurant on this ship, and we've never done the specialty restaurant oh. really. Uh, so um, you know, we'll possibly use it one day. Priority spa reservations we haven't utilized after our experience on the Dream. We yeah. are not really pro-spa people. Uh, dedicated guest services phone number. We haven't had any issues where we needed to call anyone. So uh, not even, you know, we, we have our own extension, which I will keep to myself. But it's listed in your welcome letter. Um, and again, on those five-plus day sailings, uh, you're supposed to get the chocolate delight, but this is a four-day sailing, so we can't speak to it. We haven't experienced it yet. There's a buy one, get one free entry into a tournament at the casino. Uh, I'm not a big gambler. I'm not sure if you get, if you do this once per sale or if it's just once you're platinum, you do it one time. We, I don't know. Uh, complimentary arcade credits valued at $5. I want this, but it's only available, well, it says available for up to two children under 18 per member. So it I sounds like... I take advantage of it. But. Yeah, it sounds like the child doesn't have to be platinum. It's someone... Uh, they have to travel with a platinum person to qualify for that, which the website doesn't make it very clear, but the, the, the letter here that they gave me on entry into platinum on arrival, uh, yeah, it sounds like it, it, you know, um, the child of a platinum member could get this, so that would be nice. Per perhaps if he doesn't want to use it, he can kind of hand me the credits. I don't know if that can be a thing. <laughs> 
Uh, complimentary wash and fold service. So we tried that out. Uh, nice. We didn't we didn't really need to, but it's free and why not? So we wanted to test it out for you good people on the interwebs. So it's nice. There's a bag and you can uh, basically put as much stuff in the bag as you can without ripping it. Mm -hmm. You itemize what you've put in as a sort of an inventory. And there's this little section where the platinum person writes down their folio number uh, so they know not to charge the room or anything. They know that it's free. And you get it back within a day. Um, yeah, you're supposed to drop it off like 9. If you're doing, doing regular service, you're supposed to drop it off at night before 9 a.m. Um, don't know what they mean by dropping it off. You just leave it in your room. You could, um, probably, you could probably go give it to your cabin steward, but uh, that's for the express service, right? Uh, well, th if you want same day, then you have to drop it off by 5 a 9 a.m. Then we get it at 5 p.m. Then that day for the express service, but there's a $15 surcharge for that. Or if you just do regular, then it's, you know, drop it off at 9 a.m. Then you get it by 5 p.m. the following day. Um, so, so basically expect a minimum 24 hour turnaround time. So if you want to take advantage of the laundry services, I recommend doing it honestly, especially if you have that free service, uh, but just make sure like if it's something that you want that day, maybe plan or like if there's a specific day that you want a specific item of clothing that happens to be dirty, plan an extra 24 hours to get that washed. Um, otherwise you're going to be sucking, you know, if it's like a dress that, you know, you wore, you know, at the hotel the night before and you got a little bit dirty and then the next day you want to wear it uh, at MBR, well, it's probably not going to happen because you're not, unless you pay that extra $15 surcharge. So just kind of plan that ahead. Yeah, and so basically you get two uh, free bags on uh, sailings of three to six days, three bags on seven to 13 day sailings, and five bags on 14 plus day cruises. So uh, we're going to be testing out the three bag one in September where we take a 10 day to Hawaii. So that should be nice. You also get a Carnival logo gift item. Uh, this will not be in your stateroom when you first get on the ship. I've, I was sort of expecting it to be there, so I asked the stateroom steward. felt a little silly. But uh, here on the Imagination, uh, we got uh, a nice tumbler here, which, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, it's got a picture of, ironically, the Carnival legend on it, which is going to be our, uh, our probably our next two sailings will be on that ship, but we haven't been on her before. I, I doubt that they knew that enough to do that in advance, but uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice. It seems pretty like decently high quality. It's a uh, dishwasher safe, and it can be sort of sealed at the top. So um, that's Tervis brand for those who are into water bottles. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's a super high end brand, and it's made by wind energy. Wind energy. Yeah, yeah, it's really quite interesting. So the energy that went into this uh, is ethically sourced, and it's actually a product made in America, has a lifetime guarantee. So that's that's pretty cool. That's uh, what we got this time. Looking forward to collecting a whole bunch of this uh, stuff like this. Um, one thing we're thinking about is uh, I've read online about some of the gifts that people can get. They get like Carnival branded visors and stuff like that. So we might be running a contest in the future if we have anything that we don't necessarily want to keep ourselves. Uh, we might have an extra gold pin or two for 2016 uh, or anything like that. So if you think that uh, you might want to win some carnival stuff from us, uh, let us know what kind of contest you think would be fun. Uh, mm -hmm. And we can see about running something in the future if we have uh, sort of surplus carnival uh, things that you might be interested in. That could be a bit of fun. Uh, some other stuff, you get priority tender boarding. So uh, I was kind of curious how this would work, having not previously been platinum. I thought maybe you'd just show your card and you jump to the front of the line. But Carnival's a little bit slicker than that and a little smarter about it. Because if you were to do that, you'd kind of piss off everybody else in line, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what they do is there's a secret meeting place for the Platinum and Diamond people and Faster to the Fun as well. 
where uh, someone will escort them to the front of the, the line for the tender. And I, it seems to be seamless. It's like in a way that the line doesn't know you're cutting the line. I think they, because uh, normally when you, when you board the tender, you go to the lowest deck of the ship, and it's normally a crew or maintenance area. So it's not like a public area generally. And so there's a lot of access corridors and stairwells and paths that are just not visible and that the general public's not aware of. So I think they take you down like an alternate stairwell or something and then just pop you right onto the tender. So uh, we didn't need to do that, though, because we kind of slept in on, ten on the tendering day at Catalina. So we just walked down and walked on. Um, but I think that's sort of how that works. So just kind of a, a bit of a, a reveal there for that process. There's also a priority debarkation, which I guess if you have an early flight could be important. But I, I want to leave the ship as late as possible. It's like pride for my cold dead hands. So uh, I was really hoping that they would say like, hey, you know, platinum people, you sleep, you get to sleep until like 9, 9.30 instead of like the 8 or 8.30 that you normally have to be out of your cabin by. No, it's just you get you get zone one on your on your um, luggage tag if you're not doing self-assist. And uh, you can, you know, they'll probably call you with the first group to leave if you want, but that's about it there. And... Uh, yeah, so those are those are some of the perks that we've encountered so far or are looking forward to, but uh, that's a little glimpse into what Platinum is like. Did you want to tell people about the cruise we're, we're on? Where did we go? What was that like? Uh, so yeah, we went to Catalina, sailing out of Long Beach, and our first stop was Catalina. Um, Catalina's kind of weird. Um, it's, I mean, it's nice, it's pretty, um, but if you've ever been to Whistler, it's basically the sunny version of Whistler. Um, so it's a very, very resort town feel. Um, it's pretty much just like two streets of where everything happens. I think there's like a little mall thing that we didn't uh, go to. Um, Ray and I, we just walked to basically the end of the street and then there's this little pier of rocks um, that we walked across. I, I got about 20 feet out and I was like, nope, I'm done. Um, I'm pretty accident prone and it's just nothing but jutting rocks everywhere. And Ray was like 10, 20 feet ahead of me already. I'm like, I'm done, I'm good. This is, this is, this is pretty, this is as far as I'm going. Um, but we had a good time and, and, you know, just, you know, a nice little walk. Um, so that was enjoyable. Um, everything seemed, this is, there was this weird fusion thing everywhere, every restaurant you went to, everything was very strangely fusion. Um, and, and like there was one restaurant, there was, um, sushi and sake and tapas and fries and burgers. So it was like this American, Spanish, Japanese fusion thing. Um, and, and there was another one, there was like a German American French fusion. I don't know. There was just a, there was a whole bunch of like every restaurant was fusion by the looks of it, and it was very very strange. They just cast as wide a net as possible for every single restaurant, um, and we didn't go into any of the restaurants because why? Uh, <laughs> but um, the comedian, one of the comedians who's really 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 funny. Her name is Jalen Bishop. Definitely check her out. She's got a Netflix special coming up soon. Um, she, uh, you know, I, I guess she tried to get something to eat and, um, you know, she just kind of joked the burger's like $90, um, uh, because it's Catalina and, and it's everything, which is because it's so remote because, you know, you, it's on an island. Like that's the only thing, the, obviously everything's going to cost a little bit more because it, they have to transport everything by boat to get to the island. And obviously that costs more. Therefore that brings up the cost of the goods. I get that. That makes sense. But like I've tried up, I have a bit of a cold that I'm fighting and, uh, not very successfully. And I tried getting some cold, like some Usenex or something like that. And it was like a 12 pack of pills. They wanted almost $20 for that. And I was like, I'm good. I'm just going to wait till Mexico. Um, and it was a good idea because I went to Mexico and I bought this bottle of some sort of Mexican liquid thing. And the lady didn't, the lady at the pharmacy didn't speak any English. My Spanish is rudimentary at best. 
And so we basically, through sign language, determined that, you know, I have a cough, I need something for that cough. Um, yeah, I was like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, I see, I see. And, you know, and I want to pay seven bucks. Um, and so, you know, I, I saved a boatload of money. It, it's weird, though. But, um, so yeah, that was that was Catalina. The, the tendering was, was neat. Um, and the system was very, very organized. I really like that. Um, and, uh, yeah. But the, the, the highlight for me, honestly, was Ensenada. Ensenada was really, really, really pretty. It's very, very polished. Um, I was kind of, honestly, just because I've heard a lot about Ensenada, I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit run amok, a little bit run down, um, a little bit kind of, like the seaside ghetto of Mexico almost, um, I wasn't really, I, I didn't have very high hopes for Ensenada. I really liked Ensenada. I think it's way nicer than Cosmo, like by, by several dozen yards. Um, Cosmo, honestly, Cosmo is what I expected uh, Ensenada to look like. Cosmo felt, to look, it felt, it looked really, really run down. Um, half the streets weren't even finished. Um, yeah, they had a hard rock and they had this outlet mall type thing. Um, but more than half the stores in the outlet mall type thing weren't open. Like they, like they had to, they didn't have anything established there. Um, and they had very bizarre hours and so nothing was open. Um, and they had that, I mean, they have this, the, they, at the port, they have a, a little mall thing, but anything outside the port, it just, it, that's it. Like that's all they have is the little port mall, um, and the hard rock. And the Hard Rock has, has very bizarre hours. Like, we had to wait around 30 minutes for them to even open up. And it was, like, noon when they're like, no, no, you need to wait. We're just like, are you kidding? It's noon. It's a restaurant. Why aren't you open? But Ensenada was really charming. And all the streets were clean. And 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 there's this really lovely boardwalk um, that gets extended quite far out. Um, and it turned out they had this really, really nice water show that started at 2. And we left. We hung out for about 15, 20 minutes. And slowly made our way back to the port. And it was still going at about two thirty almost. So and that that was really it was it was super nice. Free Wi Fi along the entire boardwalk, uh, and really good strong signal too. So I was able to catch up. Ray took me to you know his go to restaurant uh, Tacos del Sol, um, at Ensenada, and it was fantastic food. Um, and it was it was a it was a really really nice moment too because again the server doesn't speak any English. Um, and I, I took some Spanish. My mom, she's fluent in Spanish. She's, she lived in Asuncion for a while. Um, it's where she met my biological father. So she's got, uh, so, um, and I had like a Nicaraguan babysitter for a long time. So I was kind of through all these different things I've able, been able to pick up on a little bit of Spanish. Um, and so we were kind of able to just between like her very, very, very basic English, which we're talking like she can say yes. As pretty much like that's what she could say, um, and and me being able to have a few little you know I'd be like come si say you know Bill, and she's like oh oh okay you know I uh, think la quanta and so I was like okay so that's what we want, um, and <laughs> and and but it was a, it was a really, it was a really really nice moment of of these two people from two different cultures from two different languages, who needed to kind of find some way to communicate with each other so that both can come out of that uh, experience feeling good about themselves. Um, and it, and it worked and it was really, really nice. And you can tell that she really liked the, the experience. Um, we came out really liking the experience. The food was fantastic. The service was really, really good, especially again, given, I mean, we were just basically signing our way and pigeon, pigeon Spanishing our way through the whole thing. Um, so it was, um, the margaritas were really good. We had this, we had uh, queso tacos, um, so like cheese tacos with a little bit of beef in it. It was so good. Um, and this weird salt, super salty salsa type thing. Um, uh, I don't, I don't even I, I, I don't even know what it is if someone knows what it is it's just like it's like roasted onions and roasted tomatoes um like yellow tomatoes too and 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 
spices and like 13 cups of salt. Um, and, and, but it, it was like, it was, it was strangely compelling because I didn't actually like it, but yet I kept on going back for more. I'm like, it's not good, but it's not bad. So I'm going to have more. Um, uh, and you scoop up, you scoop it up with these super salty chips. Um, so, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really nice experience. We, we went to a churro stand, um, in Ensenada and we had this really nice conversation with these two guys about, you know, cruising and stuff like that. Um, they didn't try to, you know, they kind of, sh there was one vendor that kind of came, but you know, cause you have, when you go to tourist towns, they have like hustlers come by and like, Oh, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy that. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we call it the gauntlet, <laughs> you know, you go through the, down the street and you get you know, just harassed, well, not harassed, but you know, you know, you just can say no to everything. Um, cause you just say no to everything. Um, at one point, several times we were offered free samples of, uh, from things from La Farmacia. Um, and no, just say no to everything. Um, but yeah, there was at one point we were talking to these, these two guys at the churro stand and a vendor tried coming up and selling them things and they shoot the guys, the guy away just as we were showing them away. Cause he's, you know, we're having a conversation, go away. So that was, it was a really, really nice experience. And so it was, I really, I very much recommend, um, doing this sailing if, if for no, if for no other reason than checking out Ensenada. Uh, Catalina, you know, it's fine. It's nice. If you stay on the ship, you're not missing anything. Um, but definitely come check out Ensenada. But yeah, it was super pretty. I really, really liked it. Oh. And the boardwalk is new. The, the boardwalk had been under construction, I guess, for a while. Um, this is my fourth time to Ensenada and I've never seen that boardwalk before. And so it really, it, it is a great attraction on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a Bellagio-like fountain show, except it's the kind you can run into. I've always wished that I could take a little rowboat out into that <laughs> pond in yeah, front of the yeah. Bellagio. That was very nice. And so Ensenada has definitely upped its game. Mm -hmm. And there's still ongoing construction on that boardwalk of, uh, you know, vendors and shops, probably restaurants and yep. things. So I think Ensenada is really up and coming as a destination. Absolutely. It's the last place I was expecting to see new development and this kind of stuff that Sam and I joke about that Ensenada is a bit of a hole and it's kind of the cheap place you go to and you go off the ship for an hour and you're back on board and don't even bother and all that kind of stuff. But no, they're really upping their game. Ensenada is uh, surprisingly, they're coming to play now. So that's, Yeah, we spent, what, a good three, three and a half hours there. Yeah, I well, I mean, one hour just on the Wi-Fi alone. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's probably, yeah. And then another, you know, half hour watching the, the fountain shows. But yeah, absolutely. We there is a, There's this gigantic, oh my goodness, there's this massive flag, a Mexican flag, obviously. I swear to God, it's the size of a football field. Um, and, and I had Ray stand at the base of the flag, uh, flagpole. Um, and then I basically had to stand a good hundred feet away from him just so I can get the entire flagpole and Ray in the photo. Um, and so just, you see, you look at the photo and he's just this tiny little black dot of Ray's shirt and then the rest of the flag, it's, it's, it's still at a good 200 feet. I, I, I mean, I don't know from feet, but I'm, it, I think it did. Um, so, and it was just like, and it was, and it's funny, like when I see these kind of flags, uh, no offense, but when I see these kind of flags in the States, I'm kind of like, oh, that's obscene, like whatever. Um, and, and, and when I see them in Canada, I'm like, all right, come on, who are we trying to pretend? Who are we trying to fool? But for whatever reason, the Mexico, like, that's cool. I like that flag. That flag is awesome. So I'm not really sure why, why the Mexican flag being like absurdly and comically huge is, is compelling to me. Um, whereas everything else, I'm just like, what? But, uh, I don't know. I liked it. I, I thought it was a neat little attraction, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the giant flag of Ensenada is, uh, is is cool it was it was it wasn't here the last time i was here on the 24 dollar cruise because uh, i think they were you know repairing it or something so it was nice to see it back because i mean it was even there when burton and i first came so it's a nice little piece of the personality i think mm -hmm. of ensenada which it is, does have a really nice personality of the town by itself it's it's it's, it's 
the 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 people like all even the street vendors like you say no they they tend to leave you alone they don't kind of come back at you and then and then the ones who don't i mean they kind of have a bit of a sense of humor about it like this one guy he wanted us to do this horse or carriage ride we're like no we're good he said come on come on i'll be free and we're like no no we're good he's like all right i'll pay you um and so and and you you know he was just having a sense of humor about it so it wasn't like no one I, I like i found like when we were in paris and and we dealt with street vendors they tended to be i mean it's paris so probably because of that they tended to be a little bit more rude um they tended to be a little bit more offended um by by you saying no but here just they're just like all right whatever we should move on to the next person well, i think also in paris the street vendors are not as tolerated by the local police we mm. when we were in paris we would see them uh, they had a they it's sort of a professional operation. You had to be impressed with the efficiency because yeah. they would have all their trinkets on a blanket, and the four corners would have little eyelets, and so they would just pull up one string that went through the four corners, and it would suddenly turn into a hobo sack basically, yeah. and it'd scatter. Whereas in Ensenada, I think that this is just generally accepted sort of uh, behavior, whether it's you know, according to the law, legal versus enforcement. It doesn't seem like they you know anything uh, is being enforced to stop the people. We I saw. Some police saw, you know, with a, with a bike across the street and, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, hard sell was occurring. But um, it, it feels a lot more aggressive in Paris. Uh, and I think that's because they're, you know, they're they're breaking the law. They're getting ready to run from the police at any time. They need to close the sale quickly. So um, it is it is very different in that respect. Yeah, I felt, I felt like the, the police presence here was like, except for uh, and even for like even for Cosmo, police presence in Mexico, at least in the coastal towns, is almost non-existent. Um, and it's not that they're not there. Obviously, like again, we saw the police officers, uh, you know, and um, in Ensenada. Um, but it was really it wasn't like armed military. It wasn't like they were like you know rushing in on this guy. Like you hear all these stories about about corruption within the, within the police force in, in Mexico, and that is true. Um, but um, and, but and you and you hear these stories about militarized police in Mexico, and that likely is true as well. But I guess in the coastal towns they treat because it is such a huge because they depend so very much on on um, on tourism, um, less so in the central towns um, and like Mexico City less so there obviously um, that they I, I guess they just operate on a slightly different um, mentality perhaps um, and so it's just you know it's just really like you're going to any other town and it's it's again I, I can't recommend it's not enough it was so nice. Yeah, well, and it's, I think, like Mexico City, Guadalajara is where you'll see things, uh, obviously, way more intense and militarized. Kidnapping, kidnappings are an issue and things of that, you know, uh, cartel presence and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think from the destinations we've been to, the only one that got close to that was probably Puerto Vallarta, where there was a quite a bit more militarized police presence that was felt around the port. But um, with regards to Cozumel, it's important to remember, and I learned this after my first trip, was uh, that there's virtually no violent crime in Cozumel. Cozumel is an island, and so it's well controlled. So, like, the largest crime that, uh, that would occur, the worst crime that would occur on Cozumel is minor pickpocketing. Uh, and so they don't need to have a huge uh, sort of militarized police presence just for that. Mm -hmm. So um, Cozumel looks really run down, but it's actually incredibly safe and secure. So you can walk around Cozumel, um, you know, in, in relative comfort. It might feel like the Mexican ghetto at times. It certainly did. Uh, my first trip, but uh, in Cozumel, you can you can have a lot of uh, confidence. Um, and in, in defense to Cozumel too, like we never, I mean, I've only been once. Ray's been like five times now. 
um, we never really extended traveled much beyond you know the pier effectively um, apparently downtown Cosmo is really, really nice I mean that's a big attraction we never went um, so maybe if you go beyond the very small scope that I went um, Cosmo is very very nice but the experience the very very admittedly limited experience I had I just I felt really run down and really I never felt unsafe I mean that was certainly never the case I, I you know I I when I'm traveling in, in, in towns that I'm not familiar with, I tend to kind of uh, have my purse a lot closer to me. I try to you know, carry it in front of me, make sure everything's all, or hold on to it at all times. You have to be smart as, as a traveler. Um, you know, make sure, I, like, when I'm at home, I sometimes, I'll forget often to, like, zip up my, my purse pockets and stuff like that, which drives very nuts. Um, I'm, try, I'm getting better about it now, but... Uh, um, but when I'm, when I'm traveling, I mean, uh, as, I mean, as a woman, you have to be careful about, because it's easy to get your purse pickpocketed, uh, much, much easier than it is for, for a guy to have his wallet pickpocketed, um, be because women will have open bags and all that sort of stuff and they'll carry it, you know, behind them. Um, like there's things to be aware of what, which way the zipper zips open even is something to be, be cognizant of, um, because if it zips away from you, then I believe it's. You know, you think I'd remember this as I'm giving this pro tip, but it's really important to make sure, just to be aware of which which direction the zipper is. Uh, uh, if, it, if it zips away from you, it's harder for them to actually take anything because they have to reach like around you basically to get the zipper. But if it zips towards you uh, when you have your purse on the side, it's much easier for them because they, they only they don't have to completely unzip the zipper. They can just kind of just just get in just enough to get their hands in and take whatever it is that they can take. Um, um, and you're just making sure, yeah, to like, hold on to your purse um, uh, while, you, while you have it around your shoulder. Have it as a crossbody rather than over the shoulder, just over one shoulder. Um, just little things. And I mean, I do all those things, not because I don't feel safe, but because I'm just, um, I've traveled enough times and I've seen enough things and I've, I've watched enough television news broadcasts and all that sort of stuff that tells you, like, you know, be aware of this sort of thing. Don't be stupid when you're going out traveling. Uh, don't, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, recently I've had one family of a coworker of mine, her um, daughter, when she was in Spain, had her um, her passport stolen. Um, and like, and I think some of her friends also had their passports stolen all, you know, while they're at this party, sangria party in Spain. Um, and then her sister-in-law um, went to Spain also, uh, like two months later, not even accidentally fell asleep on the train. And at, for like, we're talking minutes, maybe. And everything was gone by the time she woke up. Like she wasn't even more than the fact she'd fallen asleep. It was that fast, um, and so again she lost her. She you know had travel checks. She had her passport. That's all gone now, um, and so just you know these things. And again, like the girl, she had her purse open. Which, and and she's a very very smart traveler. Just you know she's at a party. She forgot or whatever. Um, actually, I don't think it was it wasn't her. It was her friend that had her purse stolen. And her friend it isn't as well traveled as my coworker's daughter is, and so she didn't know to keep her purse closed and on her body and you know hold on to it at all times. And again, you're at a party, you forget about that sort of thing. You get caught up in the the excitement of things. Um, but it it sucks. I mean, you don't want to be. I mean, you don't even want to be at home and having your wallet stolen and your credit. Have to worry about your credit cards and this and the other thing. But then you're in a foreign country, and now you have to worry about you know you know is the embassy is there even an embassy in your town? Like this girl, she was in Barcelona, um, and the embassy, the Canadian embassy is not in Barcelona. She had to go to Madrid, and it was during the run of the bull season, and so the trains are filling up real quick, and they weren't running all the time, and so they lost dates um, because they, they because they had to go you know get to the Canadian embassy so they can rush passport. 
Um, they had to get people to verify that she is who she says she is. She had to get money wired to her, like all this sort of stuff because everything was taken. Like this is all, this, I mean, think about how much of a pain in the butt it is to get your, just again, back home, just to get your wallet replaced and your license and all this sort of stuff. Now multiply that by a factor of a hundred and you're then slowly approaching how much of a massive pain it is to getting, getting all that stuff replaced um, when you're in a foreign country. Um, and so just like, don't, don't be stupid about that. Could you imagine the rooming charges while you're on hold with Visa? Oh my god, yeah. Uh, that'd be unpleasant. Um, and just a, like sort of a, a traveling pro tip uh, for, <clears throat> for guys in terms of like your wallet, um, I would recommend, you know, always have a back pocket with a button on it so that you can button it up when your wallet's there and keep it buttoned all the time. Uh, you know, it might be a fashion uh, uh, sacrifice. You might not be able to wear those jeans you might want, but uh, it's, it's very useful because um, the, the story I tell to exemplify this is uh, I was in the Vatican and I was in the Basilica at the Vatican and someone tried to pickpocket me. There's from, you know, many people would think there's very few more holy sites than that. And someone tried to pickpocket me there. And because I had, you know, I was wearing dockers that had a button and they were shorts or whatever. Um, and so I felt the tug on the wallet where they had reached in two fingers, one on either side of the pocket to grab the wallet and pull up, but they didn't realize the button had been closed. And so they couldn't get it up. I felt the tug. I looked around and I saw the guy, he screamed and he ran. Nothing happened. He just ran and that was it. It's not like that the Swiss guard came running in after him or something. And most of the people around there just acted as if nothing had occurred. And I wasn't too upset. I mean, I, I won the exchange. I didn't lose anything. And so that was fine. But also the lack of the reaction was noteworthy so that it's like, okay, this is, this is, this is fairly common, at least in that one situation. So I'm thinking, you know, walking around Ensenada, I would think, is, is, is probably a little less secure than inside the Vatican, I would think. Yeah. Where you're surrounded by Swiss guards at, at this holy site. So, um, yeah, that's, that's at least for guys, that's my, my big recommendation. If you want to go with, like, a, 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 a travel passport pouch that goes under your clothes at the waist, you can totally do that. Um, but you want to keep some money accessible without having to get into that. And so you put that in your wallet. And so your wallet, always keep it in a pocket that's buttoned. I, I hear too that, um, like from travel experts, is that they actually recommend the men wear their, po their wallets in the front pockets. Um, because it's much harder to pick a front pocket than it is to pick a back pocket. Um, they And they have, like in Spain, again, going back to that, they actually have like training camps, <laughs> basically for this. Like um, um, my, my, my friend's daughter, when she was in Madrid, um, waiting to get into the embassy, they walked. They were walking to a museum, and they actually walked past this gang of kids, and we're talking kids from like twelve to sixteen years old, if even, that were practicing picking each other's pockets out in the open, um, and and so I mean for them, and so it was kind of interesting for them, and they actually turned it into a bit of a game. My my, my friend's daughter with her friends because they went to the museum, and when they walked into the museum, uh, the front the, the guest per services person, he's like, just so you know. There is a gang of pickpockets that are here. We are aware of their presence. We're watching them. We're keeping an eye on them. Um, but just, you know, make sure to be extra cautious. And so they actually turn it into a bit of a game because rather than going and actually looking at all the art in, in, in one of the one of the most renowned art museums in the world in, in Madrid, um, they um, they basically saved a bunch of people from getting their pockets picked. Like they watched, they saw this one guy and this kid was reaching over and she's like, oh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Can you help me with this art piece? And the kid was like, oh, and he ran away and the, the the dad, the 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 the, the, 
person that they you know said that to and you turn around and he's like what and she's like oh just so you know this guy just tried to pick your pocket and they're like oh oh well thanks and so they they spent like three hours doing that and they, they said or at least that's the way i remember the story um and they said it was a lot of fun they, they, had, they had tons of fun doing that they felt like detectives and they're like oh we're saving all these people um but yeah i mean in europe it's, it's really really commonplace um and, and obviously in and and you know part, parts of the world where you know People aren't aren't as rich, aren't as well off, and by by rich I mean you know they don't have to hustle to you know get a buy a loaf of bread basically, um, and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like in 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 Spain apparently apparently it's like the worst uh, for for that sort of stuff, um, which is strange. Yeah, I think rich in terms of like opportunity and social yeah. safety net. Yeah, yeah exactly. They might have to do that to survive. So. Um, we're staying in a porthole cabin here on deck mm -hmm. seven on the imagination. It's a porthole cabin E1. So it's my fourth porthole cabin this year and ever. Um, and I think it's it's really quite nice. I think deck seven on the imagination is a nice uh, deck to stay on because yeah. you're just three decks below Lido. Uh, and deck seven is the deck that you board the ship on from the port. So it's really accessible. Uh, and uh, I, how have you found the noise in, in this? Oh, like, um, I mean, we're right by this, the uh, storage closet or something like that, but, um, and we're right also by the anchor. So I only felt that it was a little bit noisy at Catalina when they're dropping anchor, but that was for like five, 10 minutes where they're dropping anchor and it kind of woke me up a little bit like around 6 a.m. then just went back to sleep. Um, but other than that, I've, I found the noise to be pretty negligible. Um, we're pretty much away from all other ca uh, um, guests. So we're not, we don't have, to, you know, we don't have the constant locking back and forth and stuff like that of, you know, a bunch of drunkards and stuff like that who, you know, maybe uh, didn't win quite as well as they were hoping to win to the casino. But um, yeah, and even with all the, sh the, the room stewards, um, you know, accessing that area, the, the storage closet, it's not that bad. Um, it's, and we're right, we're right in the very, very front which um, right now the seas are, have calmed down quite a lot. Uh, shortly before we started it, it was doing this quite a lot. And so my, my tummy was like, oh, no. Um, but uh, so we're feeling the swells a lot, which if you're really into that, which we are, um, it's, it's, it's great. Um, if you're someone who is prone to motion sickness, um, I wouldn't recommend um, this at all. <laughs> I would recommend as midship as possible, um, if you can get a midship. Uh, just because again it is a, because it is a smaller ship you're going to feel the swells a little bit more um and we um they're saying that they had like six foot, foot swells that they're going through which is pretty high um but um but noise wise though again it's it's really it's really nice and i actually really like the portholes um it, it there's a really big window if i was you know three inches shorter i'd probably be like yeah i'm gonna and i had a book with me i'd be like i'll read a book and sit in that little area it's cute it's it's i don't feel like i'm missing out on anything yeah, and so, I mean, when booking a cabin, it's good to know that at the front of the ship, you'll feel the motion of the waves. At the back of the ship, you'll feel the vibrations of the engines. So midships is the smoothest part if you want a smooth ride. Um, so that's uh, just, just useful to know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, and a general tip, I think, is that whenever you travel, bring earplugs. Uh, just regardless of where you are, you never know when, I mean, you could have the best room on the ship and then have a noisy neighbor that you might not have a lot of control over. So no matter what situation you're in, I think a pair of earplugs, even if you're not used to wearing them, it's, it's, it's essentially a good thing to have. Um, so one thing I've, I've read a lot about is people ask online quite a bit about the imagination versus the inspiration. They're both fantasy class ships built around the same time and they're both ported at Long Beach doing the same itinerary. Sam is doing this exact same itinerary one day behind us on the inspiration. 
And so people often on Cruise Critic forums and other places have asked, What's, which of the two ships do you prefer? And honestly, I think that it really comes down to scheduling and cost. If you can save a couple bucks by doing one versus the other, that's a good way to go. Um, if it works with your schedule better, the you know the departure of one ship versus the other, let those things be your deciding factors rather than the ships themselves because there's so little difference between the two, it's not noteworthy. Now, if you have a particular cruise director or piano bar performer that you're able to find the schedule online in advance, that might be a good reason to choose one over the other. But uh, as far as the ships on their own merits, they're, they're comparable. Uh, you know, they have, they're very close on, on the same uh, dry dock schedule as well, so they've both been renovated around the same time. So I, I don't see a huge difference between the two. I laughed a little bit at the uh, um, uh, piano bar performer just because I've not had good luck at all with piano bars. Um, the first three um, were just awful. I mean, there's just, just no other way around it. Um, we had, what was it, TJ on the breeze. And, I mean, that guy defined Lounge Lizard, um, and not in a good way. I mean, he gave Lounge Lizards a bad name, um, if that puts any kind of perspective into things. Um, it's like a poorly dressed Lounge Lizard. Oh, it was awful. Um, and then we had Carl, uh, Carl, um, on, on the Sunshine, and he didn't know, like, any songs at all. Um, he, he tried singing If I Had a Million Dollars. Very Naked um, Ladies. Um, Very Naked Ladies, because there's another Canadian in the audience, and they asked for that song. And the guy had never played the song before, never sung the song before, clearly. Um, and At least he'd never heard the original. That is, well, that was certainly yeah, true. Yeah, definitely never heard the original. I think I mean, he was just sight reading, and I think he uh, he was singing the spoken word parts and 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 speaking the singing parts and 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 I mean he got the notes right. <laughs> he, he, but he but he was playing in this weird kind of ragtag ragtag kind of way too. It was like dunk, 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 dunk. it's kind of ragtag way. song. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the few Canadians that were in the room, we were all just kind of looking at each other like, what is going on? Why are you, why are you doing this? I've never heard someone sing the banter between Ed and Steve before in my life. It was so never, weird. Never before and never since, and it did not fit. Ray's mom was on the ship, uh, she was with us, and even she was like, what? What's going on? Like, and she's probably not the biggest Bare Naked Ladies fan, but she knows that song, right? And we, we, we were all just like, I think there's even a bunch of Americans out there going, this, is, this doesn't sound like this. I don't think this is the song. This is not the song. Um, and so, and, and every piano bar singer hates Sweet Carolina. Like, I mean, Sweet Caroline, we all know this, but for whatever reason, we make the poor guys, the poor people sing it all the time. Because um, we like it. Because we, it's it's a it's a good it's fun it's a fun song to sing it's good it's a good crowd pleaser it's like you know don't stop believing and and friends in low places and stuff like that, you know it's a it's a it's a good piano bar song that's why it is part of the repertoire, um um but he made no bones about the fact that he hated I think at one point he just straight refused to play it, um and then enough people put in request he's like fine whatever, um but we gave him I think all of thirty minutes. Um, um, and then we were just like, no, we're, we're done for like the entire cruise. And we're like, no, we're done. Um, and then Bob piano, Bob was, uh, for the dream. He was horrid. He was absolutely, absolutely horrid. Um, he was sexist and obscene and, ugh. and, and it was, it, it just at one point he sang a song that was just offensive, um, in so many different ways. And apparently Ray's for the song in such a way that it actually isn't offensive and it's kind of funny. Um, and, uh, it's called a song about a cat and, and I don't, uh, maybe I just, we just heard the wrong person sing the song, but we, we were there for that. These uh, other travel companions 
and we were we were just just feeling all kinds of nope. Uh, so and the problem with with piano Bob though is with the way the um the cruise ship is lined uh, the way the deck plan is lined up, um if we wait when we were waiting for punchliner, we had to stand in the piano bar area. That's just the way the queuing was set up. And so every night, because we really liked the comedians, because the, the punchliner had some fantastic comedians in that lineup, we had to suffer through Bob every night. And so we're just like, oh my God. Because you have to go early because you want to get the good seats because these were, you know, we had Tommy Drake that was there and he's a fantastic comedian. Best of the and fleet. So, so, yeah, I mean, from what I've experienced thus far, he's definitely the best of the fleet, no question. Um, uh, Gina, what was her name? Last name? Brion. Brion, I think. Yeah, Gina Brion. Um, she was super hilarious too, and so they're they're drawing out like sellout crowds basically, right? Um, it was standing room only, and so you had to show up like a good 20, 30 minutes early, so you can get good spots. And we were and so we were there 20, 30 minutes early because we were getting front row every single time. Like that was our mission: front row, front row, front row. Um, because we like being and we like being part of the banter and stuff like that when it's invited by the comedians. That's important. If it's yeah. invited by the comedians, then take part in the banter. If it is not invited by the comedians, get out. I hate those people. There's Sorry. there's audience participation and then there's heckling. These are two very different. No, things. no, no, no. There's, there's audience participation. <laughs> there's heckling and then there's the drunkards. Oh my god, the drunkards. The dr- the heckers, the hecklers, and the drunkards just need to go. Um, they j- just stop. Just stop. Okay. Sorry. Um, and well, if you're so drunk, you're not going to know you were there. Why not just be somewhere else? Right. Um, and so so those three. So, so those three piano bar guys were just not good uh, and sucked and and it's 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 a bit of a bu- bummer for me because Ray's experienced Gustavo and Natalie who he just won't stop talking about and I don't I don't I don't have that experience I was like oh piano bar guys are kind of lame and so this time we get Jeff True Jones um and he's pretty decent but he he only performed on the first day and he had laryngitis and he suffered through it and he and and his octave dropped a solid two one or two octaves um and he and so he was singing he was able to sing like johnny cash he's like i'm never able to sing johnny cash this is way out of my range i sing it in my octave generally um and i mean and his, his you know he's in like the judy garland kind of range and he was singing normally that's what he was explaining um and now he's singing in the johnny cash range um and and he's you know he's so he's warning everyone every time someone shows up he's like listen i got laryngitis we're going to kind of play things a little bit mellow this time around. Wasn't really inviting audience participation all that much because he didn't want things to get a little too ramp- ramped up because then he'd have to, you know, strain his voice even further. Uh, but then he just got too sick and all the all the piano bars have been cancelled since then. So I was like, oh, I finally got a piano gar- bar guy that I like. And he's sick. So maybe Alaska? <laughs> uh, we're hoping because I, I just I, I want a good piano bar guy. Um, and I don't know anything from this cruise director aside from his announcement. We haven't done anything that has uh, led us to actually meet the piano, the cruise director this time around. So, I mean, he sounds okay from the announcements. Yeah, Alex. You watch some of the Love and Marriage show on the on TV, though. Yeah, but it wasn't Alex, though, that was posting it. Oh, that, it was that the was entertainment the, director? That was the entertainment oh, director. Okay. And yeah, the entertainment director seems kind of... I don't know what his name is, but he seems kind of funny. But, but Alex... Um, yeah, because the entertainment director guy had a different uh, accent. Okay. Um, I didn't pay a lot of attention. But, um, um, yeah, because, I mean, generally, if if we get a chance to meet them at the deck party, I was not feeling well yesterday. Um, Ray decided to kind of forego the deck party as well. And then we watched it on the Lido cam. There's like 30 people. If and That's, being that's very generous. Very, very, very generous estimate. We're like, mm, I feel less bad about missing that. Yeah. Uh, one thing about... Um, 
I, th I think we might be getting Christine uh, Hetfield or something. She's She also plays the fiddle. I think she might be on the legend when we sail on her. I'm not sure about the timing of that. But she was on The Breeze, and uh, she, she did a fantastic job. And she also sang the song about a cat and some other kind of dirty songs. And I think the trick to those kind of more adult things, first of all, they have to do it late in the night because uh, they say piano bars normally all ages for the first hour and then adult only after like 9, 30, 10, 11, something like that. So they have to save it for that time. And when they do sing it, I think that it works well if they sing it straight. They sing it like like just the words on the page. And so the part that makes it funny or adult or lewd or crass, whatever, happens between your own ears rather than them performing it that way. I think that's the way that you make that kind of thing funny because then it's like, you know, you're the one taking it somewhere else and, and kind of doing the innuendo rather than them being up there and basically saying incredibly sexist things. Which is what Bob was doing. Uh, yeah, and it's like, if it's somebody who unintentionally says something sexist from an innocent place, then it's funny. Yeah. But if it's somebody who says, it, uh, you know, the full-throated support of the, of the sort of misogynist background of it, that's not as, that's not, that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, you know, so I, I think that's, that's maybe where the difference can be and how it's performed, where the, where the right balance to strike might be. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, so, as I said before, I think that the, uh, uh, the imagination uh, benefited greatly from the dry dock. Uh, I quest I read about what dry dock, the standard dry dock is, where it's like only a week or two, and they just refresh the public areas and the and the and the um, cabins. And so I wasn't expecting a big change, but actually it's quite substantial. It wasn't just the Funship 2.0 upgrade of having guys burgers, which is delightful, um, but it really does. These dry docks make a huge difference in the feel of the ship. So if you're able to get a ship shortly after dry dock, uh, I think that's nice. Uh, it, it, it feels new again. So it does, it does have, the, there is this weird thing with the imagination right now where there is um, this clear cabling um, on some of the, uh, I think it's just like Lido, basically. Lido it's almost like fish line, but a little thicker. Definitely, definitely thicker than fish line, but it, it's on. It's on only like two or three decks. Lido, definitely. I think Serenity. Um, and I think those might actually be the only two do uh, decks because that's that's where food can be consumed. Um, and I think it's to deal with um, all the like seagulls and pigeons and stuff like that. Um, Never uh, seen it before. It's it, it does kind of, it does take away from the view a little bit. It doesn't bother me all that much. I think um on, there was a lost opportunity where they could have turned it into some really nice lighting, um like if they use like fiber optic cabling that had lighting in it, um so that when it gets dark out you can just have this really nice light show, um so I felt like that was a bit of a missed opportunity on their part, um and because when we first saw it, we're like oh that's kind of neat like I wonder what they're what it's gonna look like at night and then at night it was just. It looked the same. The same. We're like, oh, yeah. okay. It, it's sort of a missed opportunity to take something that could have been both functional and cosmetic. Instead, it's only functional. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's just because Long Beach has a lot of birds, and also we don't go that far from shore, just going Catalina and downtown Sonata, that maybe it's only a Long Beach thing. Uh, having recently sailed out of all of the Florida ports, basically, okay. uh, I haven't seen it anywhere else, uh, nor Galveston. So either maybe it's new or maybe it's a Long Beach only thing. Uh, I'm not sure. Speaking of the food, uh, what, what do you what do you think of the food here on the Carnival Imagination? That's where I felt like they feel like they've kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Um, again, on Sunshine we got really spoiled with the steaks because um, the flat iron grill is just like I mean that's kind of the go to thing um, meal wise at least for me anyways. Um, and on uh, the Sunshine. I thought they had accidentally brought me the filet mignon the first yeah. time I ordered the flat iron. It was so it was, good. I mean, the portion was a little bit smaller, like you'd expect with a filet, but it was thicker and it was it just tasted like filet mignon. I'm like, oh well, I guess 
I, I was lucky, so then the next night I'm like, oh, I'll order the flat iron again and I'll get the real one and try it out. And it was the same quality throughout the whole sailing. So uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, we got, we got well spoiled with that. Um, and, and, and on the dream, too, the food was really, really good. I, I felt the food is a little bit more... Um, it had a little, it was a little lackluster this time around. I mean, it's still good. Um, and but I mean, keep in mind, like, I'm I have very very high expectations with food here because I've had really good experiences. So if I hadn't had those extre- really good experiences with with Carnival up until this point, I would probably still be really impressed with the food. Um, but because I know that they can do so much better. I felt like the food this time around was kind of, it was all right, it was good, um, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, There's like one or two things, like uh, I had this uh, beet carpaccio, which was really good yesterday, Um, and um, um, but I think that's really the only thing that was kind of somewhat fairly memorable. The steaks actually have not been good this time around. They've been overcooked every single time. Um, Like yesterday, I asked for, the first night I asked for medium rare because that's why you're supposed to have steak. Um, and it came to us, uh, maybe a little bit on the rare side of medium, like, like it was basically medium. Um, and Ray's was even more like, I mean, his was basically well done. Yeah. Um, and, and so yesterday, um, I had, I asked for rare cause I'm like, okay, well like, you know, I want medium rare. Maybe if I ask for rare, I'll get medium rare. No, I got medium again. And so I was, oh, you know, yeah, I suppose it was kind of. Once I let the steak rest a little bit, it started they, the the juices started coming back. So I think they just didn't let the I think they just aren't letting steak rest rest before they they serve them, um, which is a which is a big faux pas, um, and so um, but I mean the unfortunate I mean they you know suffered from me just not feeling well yesterday. I just um, I just uh, began fighting this cold, um, but um, uh, and we haven't really done much uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, Lido dining so far this this cruise. Um, but the few thing, the, the, the pizza pirate is really, really good. I'm really, really impressed with the pizza pirate. I think this is the best pizza pirate of all of them thus far. Uh, there's, there's more options. Um, the service is a little bit quicker. Um, and so I'm, I'm really digging the pizza pirate. Um, so that one, they're, they're definitely knocking that one out of the park. Guys Burgers was all right. It was pretty good. Um, uh, you know, they changed the bun up a little bit. So again, when you're spoiled and having really good stuff and you get stuff that's like, like when you're getting, going from a 10 to a seven, that seven seems like a, it seems really, really low, but you're still getting a seven. So it's just like, it's kind of, you have to kind of remember that. Like you're still getting really, like you're still getting exceptional food. It's just not as exceptional as you used to, used to getting it. And I think that's the problem that I'm facing here. It's like, it, the food is still really, really good. It just, I'm, I'm used to getting it, but we're just being, I'm just being blown away by how great it is. Um, and now I'm just kind of like, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. But, um, Yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, the the Thai chicken tenders uh, were really good. Yeah. Uh, and, like, on Lido, there was a vanilla cookie cake I had that was really quite good. But um, I don't know. Normally I find on the fantasy class, because it's the smallest and oldest, that sometimes they try to make up for what they lack in amenities. Like, for example, there's no steakhouse here. There's no specialty restaurants here. So I think that sometimes they put a little extra effort into the food to, you know, uh, kind of compensate for that and make sure that they still have, you know, a, a good draw and people get a great experience. I'm feeling that a little less on this particular ship. Yeah. Um, just that, uh, yeah, it's it's a little unfortunate. But again, yeah, I mean, going from a high score to a relatively high score, it feels like a disappointment. But you're still you're still doing pretty good. So. I just find also the servers aren't as engaged this time around too. Yeah. Um, like I mean, even like when 
I mean, granted, the last few times, we, you know, we've gone with a group and stuff like that. It's always been, and so we, and we tend to kind of get the same servers every time. We just lucked out that way. And so the servers would kind of make an effort to get to know you and stuff like that. But even when we were on, like, we'd have a different server, they would still be fairly engaged. They would still, you know, make sure you're having a good time and, and be nice to you and, and kind of crack jokes and this and that. And the other thing, um, not getting that at all with the servers this time around. Um, they're kind of like, all right, what do you want? Let's go. And like, it's, it's more about efficiency, uh, which is fine. Um, but like today, we at lunchtime, the server was just straight up awful. I, I did not care for the server today at all. I mean, he hovered the entire time. Um, um, you know, I, he, he came up and he's like, are you ready? And I said, nope, you know, give me a few more minutes. And then... 90 seconds and later. Not even, yeah. And it was like, he's like, so what are you getting? I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm ready now. Um, and so, and then, it, you know, the we ordered drinks and we finished our meals by the time our drinks arrived, um, which was annoying. Uh, like we were getting to where we were kind of like, are we even getting our drinks? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, the guy, you know, he hovered and he just stands there and he doesn't say anything for the first like five seconds, which is a really, really long time. If you think about it. Um, and he just stands there for five seconds with his crotch in your face, basically, and then says something and he speaks very, very quietly. And so you have to kind of strain. It was just unpleasant. With the, uh, the wait staff, it really feels like they're doing a job. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times where we've been on other ships, they feel like they're having some fun at, at, at their job maybe if it feels like they're really just not liking uh what they're doing and and that's unfortunate now the that's that's the the mdr uh our cabin steward i made for example though is absolutely great. fantastic that's i mean great. he reminds me in terms of quality like larson that we had on the sunshine which is just he, he feels like part of the family like mm -hmm. if one of us isn't feeling well he seems really emotionally invested and and concerned uh you know he goes above and beyond uh you know like they uh, generally stop the morning uh, uh, turn down around noon, and if we're out of our cabin at eleven forty, our cabin still gets turned down without us putting up a sign or saying boo. You know, we didn't ask for ice; we've been getting ice all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, little things like that, and so uh, we don't want you to think that the service on the ship isn't is is poor across the board. The MDR no. leaves a lot to be desired for service. The the cabin stewards uh, are act absolutely fantastic. Even oh, just wandering the ship in other areas outside of where we are, they're very friendly. Very very friendly. Uh, very very nice. And I've had I've had some that weren't so great like on the triumph that guy really didn't like his job i didn't think he was gonna last another month after that um but this is you know a very good cabin steward. well and even even at the guest services like when when we went up to say you know you know what's what's going on with, uh, the future cruising whatever i mean she seemed generally contrite like when I mean, she felt really really bad she's like i'm really really sorry like we just unfortunately we can like i mean she she looked like she felt bad about that and uh, there's nothing you know she felt like you know i'm sorry like i want to help you but i can't um i lost my i lost my um card my sign and sale card you know, rookie mistake. Um, and um, that was actually, that's a really interesting experience um, because we ha I have the app, the, the, the Fun Times app. And so you put in your folio number that you have, uh, every sign and sale card has its own folio number that's signed to you and you only. Um, kind of like a credit card number. Exactly. But um, it's only four digits. Yeah. And so I went up to the lady and I said, oh, oh, I lost my card, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I had all sorts of ID on me expecting like, oh, I'm gonna have to prove myself left five ways from Sunday. Um, and she's like, oh, what's your cabin number? And I guess just like I put my cabin number, my, my photo popped up right away. So she knew who I was. Um, it took longer for me to, I think I had to wait 20 seconds maybe for her to come to the desk initially within 15 seconds. I'm like, I'm not even kidding really at this point. Like I had a new card with a new folio number. Like they printed out a new card, new folio number. I went to open the app and they're like, oh, it looks like you're signed up on another device. Like, so they already knew like that, that I had to basically refresh the app. 
um, with my new folio, I remember. Um, it was insanely fast. How like it was? I was really, really not that I'm recommending losing your sign and sale card, but if you do lose your sign and sale card, it's really not that big of a deal. Just right as soon as you notice, if you know, first go to your cabin, you know, see if it's there. You know, kind of check to check the place where you think it might be. Once you've verified, yeah, okay, no, definitely for sure it's lost. Just go to the guest services. It'll take zero time. You don't even need to bring ID with you. Just you know, have your room number, and they'll have it there for you in seconds. Um, and it's it's fantastic. I was I was unbelievably impressed with that. And the lady, I mean, she, I was kind of expecting her to kind of just you know, give me a bit of a hard time about it or something like that. But she was like, okay, and like it was just done. So so the service really, I mean, with the exception of MDR, the service really has been good. Even up in the few times we've been up at Lido, the service has been really really good. Yeah. Well, and when we went to talk to guest services about the future cruise issue. She understood it, but it was like she didn't get it yeah. in the sense that, like, it's it sense like she's like, I, I, I don't get why they would make that choice. Yeah. I understand the reasons, but, like, she, she, she didn't feel, it didn't seem like she was fully on board with it in that sense. And so that felt like she was on our side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I think that really helped with delivering that no message uh, mm. was quite good. And, uh, yeah, Mindy's absolutely right about losing your, your room key on the ship. Now, if you're in port and you mm. lose your room key, that's quite a bit more complicated scenario. You need to have ID. You need to be able to answer some questions. They're going to have to, depending on the port, uh, Burton lost his uh, in Ensenada. And so at the first checkpoint, they had to radio ahead. Uh, and so then he had to talk to a couple of different people at a couple of checkpoints. And then once he was on the ship, had to go to guest services. And so if you lose it off the ship, it's a lot more complicated yeah. a process. Obviously, yeah. So you really, off the ship, you really, really want to keep that somewhere that you're, you know where it is at all times. Uh, I try to be consistent. Whenever I leave the room, it's in my left front pocket. Um, so, you know, if I'm leaving the room and it's not there, it feels weird. And so I'll notice. I have left the cabin once uh, without my, my room key, and that did kind of suck. I had to track somebody down to let me in. But, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's not so much an issue when you're on the ship. Uh, so just some uh, uh, tips about this particular ship. Actually, about the fantasy class in general, I have one uh, sort of pro tip. If you like the comedy club as much as we do, uh, here's a tip to get to the comedy club a little faster. The comedy club, if you're facing the stage, on the far right has a door, an automatic door, that leads onto Serenity Deck. So, what you're going to want to do is, if you want to avoid the crowds or whatever, you can go up on Lido to the very back of the ship, go down one deck to Serenity, and then come in on, on that door that opens. There'll be two doors, the one that automatically opens is yours, it's the port side. So then you can come in and you're right at the front right near the stage and you get a good view and you're in a prime position to go grab a seat if you already have a seat at the comedy club and you want to go get yourself a hot you know chocolate or some water or coffee or something you know you don't necessarily want to make a waiter go and get you water when you can get water yourself and probably a little faster yeah. uh you know not you don't want to buy a bottle of water you just want to go get a cup or whatever um yeah just pop out that door to the front right Go up a flight of stairs, you're right on Lido, grab what you want, and you can come right back down again. Just make sure you're back in your seat a minute or two before showtime. So I find that on the fantasy class, the comedy clubs rarely completely full up. Um, and so they don't really tend to have a queuing system set up. Uh, for one thing, there are just so many access points uh, to the Punchliner Club on the fantasy class. Uh, when you're going in on deck, was it, nine, there's two doors on either side of the bar that goes into the Punchliner. Uh, on that same deck and so on this ship it's the alchemy bar but it'll be different bars on different ships but there's always sort of like a sports type bar right there uh, I believe it's above one of the restaurants so those two doors uh, are both um, 
double doors, I think. And so controlling access through that is problematic. And again, like I said, there's at least one sliding door coming in from Serenity. So that's three access points mm -hmm. uh, into the comedy club. So I think controlling the flow and doing a queuing that way is very difficult. Um, but when you consider the passenger capacity of a fantasy class, something in the neighborhood of just over 2,000 double uh, occupancy, and the size of the lounge, which is actually a fairly good Very size, large. yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't feel a lot smaller than unlike the dream class or whatever. So your your lounge space to passenger capacity ratio is a lot better. So I don't think that they they uh, they fill up quite that way. I've never seen it uh, that bad on a fantasy class that they need to shut it down. So you know I've had to stand in the back sometimes because it's been full, no seating. Just uh, one uh, Q and A uh, before we go here, and it's from Isabella. And she wants us to talk about how nice it is to hang out on the Serenity deck. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Serenity deck is pretty nice. Um, you know, we hung out there a little bit on this sailing. We're, we're cruising in December, so part of the challenge with that is this, that we're not going very far south for it to get very warm. If we were doing even a four-day milk run out of Galveston to Cozumel or something, after that first day, it starts to get pretty warm that you would want to be out on the deck. But out of Long Beach, just to Ensenada, you're not very far south, so there's uh, it, it doesn't get very warm on this particular sailing. But generally speaking, one of my favorite things to do is when there's a new completely unnecessary podcast out, I like to download that before I get on the ship, and then I'll take that and I'll go find a nice, slightly shaded spot uh, on uh, Serenity and just lay down and listen to that and then when that's done just switch over to music I find that really relaxing and, and quite enjoyable on some of the larger ships on like the Glory or uh, the Sunshine or the Dream class at all, uh, they often have these little um, clamshell things that you can you can go into as well to provide some additional shade or they might have um, sort of towards the interior of the ship some area that, that will be undercover uh, under the, 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 the deck above it that gives you some shade that's really quite comfortable. And uh, so I like, I like being on Serenity, but in like full direct sunlight, uh, I get worried about like, oh, if I'm out here too long, am I gonna get a sunburn? Do I have enough sunblock? Did I miss a spot? That kind yeah. of stuff, it can get a little too warm. Mm -hmm. So I like, I like it being like warm, but being in the shade for me is ideal. And that's why I think I really gravitate towards balconies. On Serenity, you can get approached quite a bit by uh, the, the drink sellers quite frequently mm -hmm. sometimes. This ship's pretty good for that. It hasn't been too bad, but on some ships it's been like, you know, every five, six, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that can be a bit of a drawback. But yeah, no, Serenity is pretty nice. Um, the one misleading part I, I think about Serenity is that it's adults only and it's called Serenity. So you think it's going to be calm and quiet and relaxing, but that's not always the case. If you're on a spring break cruise or something or just certain cruises, find quite often out to Galveston for example there's going to be some boisterous people in those hot tubs that are just there open to close drinking the whole time very boisterous and having fun that's great but if you're looking for a very nice serene place to relax serenity can be a little misleading in that regard because it can get a little a little noisy and a little busy um I don't know what do you think of the serenity area um yeah serenity's um nice um um uh yeah uh, I, I, I like that it's kind of kid-free zone, um, so it's kind of nice to kind of get away from the, from the kids and stuff like that. Um, I haven't, um, used it all too frequently, um, um, I really do like the clamshells, like Ray mentioned. Um, um, uh, I don't really, uh, honestly, I don't really have too much to contribute to the Serenity thing. Um, if, it's if, not really a question, this is more, more of a, a comment, I think, and so <laughs> thanks for the comment, keep them coming, we agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's. 
yeah, I mean, it, it's good if you kind of just want to get away um, uh, for a little bit. I like how small uh, the Serenity deck is, so um, it just it, it seems a little bit more actually serene. But it is also right under the Lido deck, um, so... The smell of pizza will call to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Sunshine has a lovely Serenity area because it has that waterfall, yes, which is true. unique, I believe, to the Sunshine, unless the, maybe they have it on the Vista now. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's very nice. But again, it feels a bit more party atmosphere than... Very than, party. Yeah, as a result. And so it's nice, but it's a little, you know, the name is a little, I think, it, it's not totally accurate. As cool a name as Serenity is. So um, I think that pretty much wraps things up for this uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, this is, what, our sixth episode on my sixth cruise of the year. That's a coincidence, though, because <laughs> the first two we hadn't started the podcast yet, and then we did two with uh, Mike visiting Vancouver. So, um, yeah, definitely reach out to us on social media channels and through email, team at vacationimpossible.ca. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, we're at vacayimpossible. And uh, Facebook, it's Vacation Impossible. Uh, you know, we're on Instagram, Vacation Impossible. We're on Tumblr. Uh, this podcast can be subscribed to on iTunes, uh, through Podbean, Stitcher, variety of other places. So check us out. Interact with us. You'll get different content on different platforms. Uh, get a lot more pictures on Instagram that you won't see on Facebook and things like that. So uh, any of those uh, platforms you're on, do follow us, interact with us. You'll get a different experience every place. Yeah. Um, and so, um, coming next year, we are trying to shift from a lot of short cruises to longer, more substantial ones to new destinations that you'll get to see. The idea is we want to sail out of Vancouver to Alaska and then again out of Vancouver to Hawaii. Uh, so a little bit more of the Canadian perspective there. And, uh, we're going to be taking a trip to Victoria, BC on Vancouver Island in February. So we're hoping to record a podcast then. That'll probably be our next episode. Mm -hmm. So you can expect that in early February. And then going from there, uh, yeah, it'll be in the spring for Alaska and then September for Hawaii. So for Mindy, I'm Ray. This has been the Vacation Impossible podcast. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, stay tuned to all of our different social media channels. And obviously check out our YouTube channel, which is what this is really all about. Uh, we'll have some new stuff there for you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.